from chapter one, John chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was the God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Morning, church. If you don't have your Bibles open to John already, would you please open them to John chapter 10 and verse 28. John chapter 10 and verse 28. Well, Christmas is over, and I'm curious who's already taken their Christmas tree down. Oh, good. Not many of you. I, we really haven't either. Uh, the Christmas tree at the Sportsman House stays off well into the new year. I can promise you that. But the family's gone, and so is our patience. Our pre-Christmas pant size, and a few other things that aren't uh, with us anymore. We have made the parties, we've bought the stuff, we entertained the people, loved on the relatives, avoided the conflicts for the most part, and like you, I hope so thoroughly enjoyed um, the fact that Jesus came and the hope that he's coming again. Tonight, we're going to have the privilege of welcoming in a new year for the sportsmen's. Uh, on tap is possibly some dinner, some dancing, a little champagne, and that's all good. But, um, I mean this with all my heart, I wanted to say goodbye to 2017 and hello to 2018 with you, my Christian family. Isn't it good to be church? I love the new year. And though I don't know for sure what it holds for me, I do know this. I know who has a hold of me. And can have a hold of you. Listen to some of my favorite words in Scripture for facing the new year. They're found in that chapter, John 10, that I ask you to turn to. Verse 28. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never die. And no one will snatch them from my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them from my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Friend, you don't need someone to read the palm of your hand to be prepared for what's coming in 2018. You just need to be in the palm of God's hand and you'll be prepared for anything. I promise you. Now, how you make that actually happen, how you make your way into the palm of his hand, I think is going to become clearer in two specific ways. One is if you'll join us in reading John's Gospel together, which is an adventure that we're about to undertake. We're going to be reading 20 chapters in 31 days, and if you haven't picked up one of these bookmarks, they'll be out at our Welcome Center. We passed them out last week to the congregation that was here, and uh, you can pick those up. Those of you who didn't get one, right out there at the Welcome Center, you'll be, see a big sign that has this emblem on the front of it, and there will be several of those there for you to pick up. We'll also be posting them on our KCC notes every single day, what the next day's reading is going to be. So I want to encourage you, please, uh, pick that up and start joining us in reading what John calls the one and only. More about that later. The other opportunity you're going to have to get to know this one and only is during this time on Sunday mornings in the first six months of 2018. We're going to be involved in a series that I'm calling Life Matters. And this series began literally with the last two lessons of our Christmas season celebration. And so I invite you to go back and listen to those if you haven't been here for those last two lessons. Particularly, if you aren't sure what is the basis to live from in 2018. 
What needs to drive your decision? What needs to influence your values most? What impacts you most in a day about how you make decisions in every single moment? How you live? Who do you welcome to give you feedback as a person? Whose eyes do you look into for the thumbs up or the thumbs down about how you're doing at life? Because we're all looking somewhere. That's what we talked about in those first two lessons. And I really want you to visit that and think about that if you've not been there and done that in a while. Who is the one who gives you the thumbs up or down about whether this is right or that's wrong or whether you should move ahead or, or stop or move back? Well, a man by the name of John writes down an eyewitness account of a person he believes forever changed his life. He's a man in history that you know as Jesus. And John believes he has the ability to change your life. Now, you can't miss this because in his gospel, in his letter about this eyewitness account of this man who changed his life forever, he uses the word life 25 times. And I think for all of us, whenever someone attaches that particular word to a promise, like, um, you got to try this, it'll change your life. You got to go see this, it'll change your life. You got to do this, it'll change your life. Whenever someone says that bodacious a statement and attaches life to it, it usually gets our attention, at least for the moment. John's going to say, nothing, no one can do that like Jesus, who is the way, the truth, finish it with me, and the life. That comes from John. John's going to say towards the end of this gospel, I could have written many things about Jesus' life, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that you might believe that he's the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's the goal, John says. This word that became flesh and made his dwelling among us, I'm telling you, we've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. Two things that you'll note about this man. He was full of grace and full of truth. Let's pray and we'll start unpacking this. Father, we love you. Oh, can't wait to dive into 2018, especially, Father, to to take a specific laser-like look at your Son. To spend not just a moment or a Sunday or even a short series, but some lengthy time lingering in his presence, fixing our eyes on him, not just talking about him, getting to know him, abiding in him, following him, not just settling on some religion about him, but a relationship with him. Father, that's our prayer this year as we step into 2018. That's our focus for this year. You've told us that life matters. You've, you've unfolded us for us. Some of life matters. But Father, we want to get to know the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Would you please hear our prayer to do that? Spirit, ins- inspire us, impact us, influence us, enable us to do just that. We're not the only ones who are seeking to do that. Father, we want to lift up the Barnett Chapel Church because we know that their eyes are also fixing on Jesus for this year. And they want so much to be like him, just like we do. So please, together, would you help us as one faith community here in Kerrville? All the disciples of Jesus Christ, all those endeavoring to to look at the cross and believe the resurrection and to trust the Spirit to enable us to look like him a little bit more in this year than we did in the past. Would Would you join our hearts together as together in one voice, one life, we help this community believe it mattered that you sent him. 
In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said. I'm curious, what would you place in the category of the one and only? Who's someone or what's something for you, there's just no comparison. Is it Elvis? I don't know. Is it Michael Jordan? Is it Fred Astaire? Is it Sebastian Bach? Is it a Stradivarius? Is it the Niagara Falls? Is it Doug Robertson? That's a one and only. You may have one or two things that you would put in that list of one and only, but for me, the Grand Canyon would have to be one of them. Have to be. The sportsmen's had the opportunity to travel to the Grand Canyon for Lauren's senior trip. We went out to Arizona for baseball spring training because she was kind of into baseball. I think it was some dude she was dating at the time. But we went out there for spring training to watch some baseball and then finished at the Grand Canyon. It was a phenomenal trip. I'm curious. How many of you have been there? Oh, wow. Lots of you. So this, this will go well this morning. It's been listed as one of the must, must-see places, of the most-see places in the world. And rightfully so, because I would say you don't take in the Grand Canyon. It takes you in, leaving a permanent impression upon you. I'm telling you, it marks you. So I want to invite you to go with me this morning on a journey to the Grand Canyon. Now, I haven't seen all the wonders that America has to offer, but by God's grace, I've seen several. And by far, this one has impacted me the deepest, no pun intended, okay? It's the Grand Canyon. There's nothing like it. I want to invite you to come go with me this morning, so let's jump in the church van and let's make the trip. It's about 15 and a half hours, 1,033 miles of Google Maps is on the money. And what I'm excited most about is there are some of you who haven't gone, so, so what do you say we head out? We're going to take the route that takes us up through Fort Stockton. Now, I know there's three different ways that Google Maps will tell you you can go, but I think this one's the most scenic. But we're going to head out towards Fort Stockton on I-10, but not before we stop at the DQ in Ozona. Because we believe in fine dining at the Kerrville Church of Christ, all right? And besides that, I've got a blizzard addiction, and I don't think there's a 12-step program for it. So I'm going to stop for some Georgia mud fudge. That's my fave. I'm going to refuel, refill, and head on up to Fort Stockton, on to El Paso, where we're going to head north to Las Cruces, Silver City, through the Gila Wilderness, to Alpine, not Texas, mind you, but Alpine, Arizona, right up through Holbrook and Flagstaff, into the Kaibab Wilderness, where there's some of the best mule deer hunting in the, in the world. Just a side note for those of you who care. But also, the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon. Probably with about, oh, maybe two or three hundred yards from it, you'd see me poking you in the arms and saying, do you see it? Do you see it? Can you see it? It would be the Grand Canyon sign showing there on the screen. And I know what we do, we do what all goofy people would do. We jump out of the van and together we'd gather around that sign and we start taking our selfies. Then we start talking about the sign because what an amazing sign that sign is. We pull out our trusty Stanley ruler and we'd start taking measurements, measuring the letters and the width of the sign and the length of it. We'd note the wood that it's constructed out of. And we'd engage in a little debate about the sign, how old it is. Was it all written at once? What's the purpose of the sign? We'd back up then, and we'd take group pictures of it. 
Because you see, we've never seen a sign quite like that sign before. And yes, there's been other signs, but this sign has to be considered the sign. Because it's the sign that best represents the Grand Canyon. And then, we jump in the van, come back to Kerrville, buzzing about the trip all along the way. Because wasn't it great to see the Grand Canyon sign? Yeah. I grew up in a heritage of people who regarded themselves as among the most serious students of the Bible. And I owe them more than I could ever begin to express in a sermon. And I'd never change that. Because it spawned in me an attitude. The scripture's sacred. But it also led to an attitude in some of us that simply said this. The Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. So as a young man, I traveled to Bible Bowls, and I went to the Sharp and the Sword events where we use those colored pens to just literally light up the pages of Scripture, and I memorized large sections of Scripture. I even got to read from the Bible like Raylan did a few moments ago on Sunday morning like the big Christians do. We made up songs about the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's a book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E Give me the Bible Star of gladness gleaming My light to guide me In the narrow way And this is my favorite Oh, the more we read the Bible The Bible, the Bible Oh, the more we read the Bible The happier we'll be Those were the songs of my faith family The Church of Christ And we sang them together And we sang them with all of our hearts and they then and now helped me adopt an appreciation of the book, the one and only book, the Bible, that I think every single one of us needs to have. I still have my first Bible. As a matter of fact, it's the one that I brought with me this morning in the pulpit. And there's something about it that still fills me with thanksgiving, still fills me with warm memories of the Jesus this book has introduced me to. But it also reminds me of some stinging memories. Because in that Bible were notes not so much that that had really much of anything to do with Jesus the person as much as they had to do with answering heretics. And by that I don't mean those that were anti-Christian but those that we thought were misguided and even suspect Christians, which now might have included some of you here and maybe me. But the Bible was what made me want to start this journey with him. And I started not long after that wanting to not just study it, but to, but to share it. And so I, I began to take aim at, at applying for the Institute for Christian Studies and entrance there. So at leaving, I really wasn't getting this accounting thing that my dad thought I needed to get into. So behind the University of Texas, left that behind, applied for the Institute for Christian Studies and started to learn how to study it and how to share it, how to know it. And so I have. I've studied the languages of the Bible, Hebrew and Greek. 
the history of the Bible, the cultures of the Bible, how we got the Bible. For decades, I've taught classes about the Bible. I've counseled from the Bible. I've preached from the Bible. As a matter of fact, you heard me say it again this morning like I've done every Sunday since I've been your preacher. Good morning, church. Open your Bibles to. But what I learned also as I grew up was you can have that bumper sticker on your card that says the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it and pretty much believe anything. You can prove almost anything from this book we call the Bible if you want to, if you're predisposed to. And I would call as my witness Westboro Baptist Church because with it, they teach you can hate gays and you can picket military funerals. You can even encourage the blowing up of abortion clinics. Pretty much do anything as a caring Bible person. The churches in the South during the 19th century were classic Bible thumpers. God didn't just approve of slavery. He taught it. He loves it. They had book, chapter, and verse for it. The Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it, they said. One of my preaching buddies told me that at ACU, one of our professors would divide up the class into two groups, the pro-slavery bunch and the anti-slavery bunch, and the only thing they could use for their proof texts were the scriptures. And the pro-slavery people won every single year. Now, the danger in saying any of that is, is you'll hear me as some kind of indictment against the scriptures. But it does make me question that if some in my life, some of my life, I treated that book just like I did the sign of the Grand Canyon this morning. You see, the sign of the Grand Canyon is not the goal. It's pointing to someplace greater than the sign. And in the same way, this book is not the goal. Helpful, yes. A great tool, yes. But not the goal. The goal is not to know the Bible well, but trust me, I need to know the Bible well. But it's not the goal. Because you see, you can believe anything with that Bible if you're predisposed to finding it so that you don't have to do this or you do do this. See, Jimmy, how can you say that? Because Jesus said it. A man had been in need of a good healing for nearly 38 years. And so he was stationed close to a place known for healing. But he never could get to this pool in time when the healing supposedly was going on. And all of a sudden, Jesus just heals him. No pool. Just in person, heals him. And he leaps up and he takes his little yoga mat and puts it under his arm. And he starts walking. Oh, at least until some people of Scripture say, what do you think you're doing? Carrying mats is not allowed on Sabbath days. Torah says it. We believe it, and that settles it. And in that same chapter of the Gospel of John, chapter 5, Jesus speaks to the religious leaders, and he says, you study the Scriptures diligently because you think in them you possess eternal life. But these are the very Scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me and have, say it with me, church, life. Isn't that sad? Isn't that just wrong? If the old Monty Hall would have been there standing between Jesus and the religious scholars of his day, 
He'd offer them the choice behind door number one, the sacred book. Behind door number two, the sacred son, born of Mary, lives in Nazareth, name is Jesus. And Monty would tell you they would have chosen the sacred book to study over the sacred son, to love. The Bible is an incredible book. None like it in the world. It's, it's got to be in the one and only category, but it's just a tool. It's a helpful sign we're going to see. But it can't give you life. No, the life is beyond the book. The life, this points to the one beyond the book who is life himself, the way, the truth, and the life, John says. So church, beginning this year, we're going to start as a family reading this book of books, the one and only Bible. We're going to start in, in John together as a church family. But please remember, Jesus is going to say, I'm found through the book. I'm not the book. I'm not the book. I'm beyond the book. I'm bigger than the book. I was before the book. And I will be here long after the fact that there doesn't need to be a book. Yes, Scripture is the Word of God. It's the lamp unto my feet. It's the light unto my path. But it's not the goal, church. The Bible's a lot like John the Baptist who we're going to look at next week, Lord willing, who spends a lot of time saying, hey, hey, not me, him. No, 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 don't put your attention, don't put your focus on me. Him, I'm messenger, he's master. Master. I'm just a sign pointing to the one and only. I'm not the one and only. And church, you'll notice we study the Gospel of John, he'll keep coming back to what John calls signs over and over again. See, John never uses the word miracle in his gospel. And he does so because some people see those signs, and that's what they fall in love with. That's what they want more of. Jesus turns a small boy's sack lunch into a a meal that feeds thousands. And what people want is the continuous free lunch that could come with that. Not so much the bread of life that could come with that. Jesus quickly becomes known for one of his greatest signs, and that's healing people. And people flock to him for it. When they find out that their body is sickness, though, is not the greatest sickness enemy in the world. Sin is. They don't know what to do with all that. Because, yeah, sure, you can, you can heal my soul, but, but i got some arthritis here in the shoulder I'd really like for you to look at, if you don't mind. The point wasn't the bread. The point wasn't the healing. The point was that they, they were just signs that pointed to the Savior who John writes, the word of God was made flesh and he made his dwelling among us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So at the outset of this journey, I want to encourage you to follow the signs. But don't linger at them too long and don't make much of them. Don't just stop at the entrance of the Grand Canyon. Don't settle until you see the canyon itself. And you won't have to wonder if you find it. When you find the Grand Canyon, am I right? Those of you that have been there, you know it. You know it. And when you see him, you'll know it. You'll know him. And I just want to encourage you that when you do, be mesmerized by his beauty. 
Don't just stand at the edge. You find you a guide that will take you deep into that canyon to be a part of the canyon, not just stare at it, but allow it to be a part of you. Explore it to its fullest in all of its grandeur and all of its majesty and, yes, even its danger. But you see, what I'm finding out is most of the things in this world that truly are majestic and truly are wondrous, there's a little danger attached to them. You're going to find that true of Jesus. Church, the Gospel of John is an invitation to explore the wonder and the majesty and, yes, even the danger. That's Jesus Christ. Go ahead and skip to the very last slide if you guys don't mind. I'm going to make a little audible here. I want to wrap this lesson this morning by trying my best to convey a scene from The Matrix. One of my favorite all-time movies that I think outside of Scripture gives us a visual picture of what's going on in our world that's not attached to any book, chapter, and verse, but I think is as accurate as any book, chapter, and verse that you can find. As many of you know, finally Neo gets to meet Morpheus. And Morpheus says, you kind of got to feel like Alice falling down the rabbit hole, don't you? And Neo says, yes, I do. And I'm telling you, he's disoriented and he can't figure things out. And Morpheus finally says, I'll tell you what. If you want to go back to your old life, you take this pill, the blue pill. But if you take the red pill, you're going to step into a new and different world, and I'm telling you, an entirely different reality of life. You will know what the matrix is in all of its truth. And there sits Neo. A little bit off balance, trying to decide what to do. And then he makes his choice. I think John's gospel is kind of like that. John's going to invite you to something similar. And if you want the blue pill, if you want to go back to your old way of life, you can take that. But I want to warn you, as John tried to, as Jesus tried to, if you take the red pill, you will see this world in a completely different life. I didn't say that wrong. You'll not only see it in a different light, you'll see it in a different life. That's what John's offering us to explore. Life as it was meant to be lived because life matters. It just does. So let's rewind the tape this morning. What do you say? Let's get back in the church van, head to Fort Stockton, grab our blizzards as we go through Ozona, on to El Paso, Right on north to Las Cruces, Silver City, Alpine, Arizona, not Texas. Right on up to Flagstaff, into the Kaibab Wilderness, home to the Grand Canyon. And we see the sign, and we, we do stop, and we take our selfies, but then everybody gets back in. And we drive in. And there before us is grandeur and wonder and majesty that no sign could ever have words for. And so we spend some serious time exploring the wonder of this incredible gift and creation of God. But what if we don't stop there? 
But at the end of exploring the canyon and being moved by what we see, all of a sudden, every single one of us in unison lift our eyes up to the one who made that all. The one in whom we have our very being and our beginning and who we will have our very eternity in. What if we didn't stop there, but we allowed it to to allow us to get to know him and all of his majesty and wonder. Because here's what John says. If you've seen this Jesus, it's kind of like he's another sign that just points us to him and all that he is. Father, Son, Spirit. All that he is. May God help us on our journey. Father in heaven, we love you, and we come this morning in humility. What do we say? You've done everything it seems possible. You've, you've made sure that men who've been touched and moved by experiences with you have sat down and written about not just events, but your son. We have four different copies. This one, John, seems to be a little bit different than the others. Doesn't talk about parables at all. Doesn't call miracles miracles. He calls them signs. He's just different. He seems to march to a different beat, but he points to the same Jesus that the other three do. And so as we, we enter into this journey, we, we, we take off our sandals, we take off our shoes to tread lightly because we believe this is holy ground. And Father, we as a family, don't, don't, we don't want the blue pill. We want the red one. We want the red one. Even though there's a little danger involved. Even though there's a little awkwardness involved. We don't know for sure what's around the corner. But you promised us that if we are in the palm of your hand, that's all we need to know. Nothing could destroy that relationship. And so, Father, we, we come confessing as a family, you are the one, the only. And in you we put our trust. In Jesus' name, amen. If you... Uh, believe that maybe for the first time and you want to put your trust in this Jesus and we're just getting we're just getting started getting to, to look at his life and get to know him better if this is the first for you and you say I, I want in from the very beginning I, I take the red pill today I, I, I'm Neo if you put your trust in Jesus Christ today we're going to take you right back here and baptize you into Jesus Christ two things will happen your sins will be absolutely washed away both past and future gone and you'll be covered in the red pill, the red blood of Christ that sets you apart as God's family, his one and only family, with the one and only son as the Lord of that family. And if you've never done that, we'd, we'd love to start off 2018 with you stepping into that today. And if you're here today and you realize 2017 probably was what it was, was because he wasn't the basis of my decisions. He wasn't the basis of my values. He wasn't the basis of our family. He wasn't the basis of my marriage. He's certainly not the basis of my job. And I want him to be. And I'm going to start off this week by having a brother wrap his arms around me or a sister wrap their arms around me and say, God, we're drawing a line in the sand. And this year it's the one and only, Jesus. That's who's going to make the calls for my life. 
we're going to sing this song, and that's what we do at this time. And so if, there's, if you can, there's some folks at the front, some folks at the back, please make your way there, and we'll do what we can to help start off 2018 the best way possible. Let's stand. Let's sing, church.